Hello there, I'm George Hall, and welcome back to another one of our Analytics Anonymous sessions, where we take a small, bite-sized look at data, insights, analytics, and more. I'm joined today by Zoe Hitchens, an analytical manager here at Good Growth. Zoe, how are you? More good, George. Thank you for having me. Good, good. Now, Zoe, I know you've been incredibly busy lately with all sorts of projects going on, so I'm excited to hear what you've got for us today. So we're going to be diving into sort of the key to good data, so having a little look at sort of the key principles that we sort of like to look at um, and just understanding um, the key to good data. Perfect. And when we say good data there, what does good data mean in the context of, of digital growth and then in the wider e-commerce industry? So it has a, probably a few different layers to it, but ultimately good data needs to be sort of fit for purpose. So whether that be for the for the individual, whether it be for the business, um, it should probably be quite like clean, structured, easy to use. Um, but ultimately businesses need to be able to sort of analyze that data so they can understand their performance against their sort of set business objectives and requirements. Uh, they need to have that confidence um, around their data, whether that be their architecture of their data and the strategy. Otherwise, how are they sort of expected to make those informed business decisions? And then that that data point bleeds into insight, which I know is one of the, the, the main things that you work on. And without the insight, you, you can't really optimize your, your testing and your delivery. Yeah, absolutely. So sort of that, that quality of that data um, means that businesses might make sort of ill-informed decisions if, if they don't have that trust behind it. So using poor quality data or incorrect data even, um, yeah, might mean that sort of businesses or, or teams within a business make some sort of questionable assumptions about their performance or yeah, incorrect assumptions. Um, and that could form the basis of some quite big business decisions. It might be that they're seeing a, a channel converting really well. So they're putting a lot of money behind it and actually in essence is not performing any better than any of the other channels. So uh, it could really affect the bottom line um, sort of rolled up. Um, so yeah, it's really important that they have a, a good base for, for their reporting. Um, also in terms of sort of organizational, organizational efficiency as well. So if you're sort of the raw format in which you're getting this data, uh, it's quite messy, it needs a lot of sort of processing and cleaning, um, then this is not wasted effort, but effort that could be better spent elsewhere if there was a sort of uh, more formalized process already in place, more automated process for, for collecting that data. So it's in that ready to use format. Because um, if the data is hard to analyze, uh, you should probably look to make some changes there. And speaking about good data, what are the key characteristics of, of what good data actually is? I mean, are there principles that you use or the wider good growth team use to, to differentiate the data between good and bad? So within good growth, we have sort of five principles, we like to call them, um, for what we deem as sort of good data. Um, these are accurate, trended, explainable, reproducible and unbiased. If we were to try and make a fun acronym out of that, we, we struggled. Um, a true, sounding like a sneeze was the best we could come up with for that one, but I'm not going to coin that one. I don't think we use that one internally. Um, but yeah, if we had sort of just quickly sort of go through that list. So accuracy of data, we sort of briefly touched on the sort of um, collection of, of the data there, um, really ensuring that when you're going through and setting up your sort of traffic analysis, um, your event structure, um, even things like campaign strings and stuff like that, you want to be quite rigorous and meticulous and just make sure these things are correct. Um, 
you want an easy life, you want things to be pulling through correctly, you don't want to have to worry about negating the double counting of events in certain areas of the page or making sure that actually some traffic that arrived from here actually is coming from here and all the sort of caveats that come in between. Um, you ultimately want an easy life and to be able to share that data with other people in the business as well without all of those caveats. Um, and then when stitching together data sets, I think that's quite um, quite a common pitfall where people start to come a little bit unstuck in their data quality. Um, so you want to sort of use as many sort of automated processes and scheduling as possible and essentially just reduce that human input. Um, it avoids the risk of sort of human error. Everyone's everyone's human. <laughs> we might have a typo every now and then. So yeah, avoid those sort of manual um, imports. If we go into sort of um, trended, um, I think was the next one down the list. Um, this can be obviously looking at trends within a short period of time, looking at comparisons sort of year on year. You ultimately want um, to understand if there's any sort of seasonality affecting your data, any sort of macroeconomic factors, um, but also just within a sort of maybe an A-B testing window. If you're seeing a significant impact for, for one of your, say, control or challenges, you want to know that that's been a consistent impact throughout the duration of your test. If it's just one day that's sort of skewing the data, you know that there's probably not enough rigor behind it to say, OK, we've got the confidence to say that that actually has a true impact. Um, and then that feeds into the sort of explainable um, other data point there. So if you're seeing that data isn't particularly trended, uh, you're seeing some quite um, odd behavior, uh, whether that be in sort of traffic, conversion rate, you ultimately want to know what's driving this. And this is where the sort of data and insight come together. Um, you see yeah, spike in sales on day X is due to, OK, that was because our marketing department sent an email out that day with a 50 percent discount code. You want to be able to sort of marry up all the different other um, activity happening with the business so you know what um, has driven those impacts. Reproducibility is just, again, about uh, validating the results and findings that you've seen, uh, whether that be you being able to pull that same data again or other people in the business being able to get to the same answer. Uh, it just makes it a lot cleaner um, and scalable as well within the business. Um, and then the final one is around data sort of being unbiased. Um, that's quite an interesting one. If you're looking at sort of is data not just coming from uh, your internal collect internally collected data? Is it coming from an external source? Um, is your data representative of your entire user base? Are you um, are you sure that you're getting your right demographic split, for example, which is um, sort of influencing a lot of um, decisions um, based on UX and, and other product decisions? Um, so having biased data can essentially generate that sort of false insight, which again, in turn leads and leads to those bad decisions that can affect that bottom line. And then that unbiased aspect, as well as from a data perspective, as well as the sort of approach that you take to data as well, I think is quite important. Um, we've seen sort of time and time again with whether it be sort of our testing clients or um, clients that we've done some inside work with, they have these big ideas for change. They, they want to sort of build it up, wrap it up into an experience or an A-B test. It's had a lot of eyes on it, whether it be from UX, product, um, experimentation, everyone getting involved. So if if everyone's sort of had the, the input to it, it must do well, right? But actually, by the time it goes live, it's had a negative performance. But if it's sort of that borderline, um, no real impact shown, it's not doing any better, it's not necessarily doing anything worse, there might be that tendency to kind of lean towards, well, if it's not having a negative impact, it's having a positive impact. So just making sure that you don't have that biased outlook in terms of uh, viewing the data sets um, and actually validating any impact seen. And then out of those five, I mean, they're all obviously extremely important, but is, is there one that sticks out to you in terms of 
I guess, the golden principle? Or is it a case of they're all so important because they can't exist without each other? I mean, yeah, ultimately, they're, they're all very important. They they sort of um, feed into each other. Um, so, yeah, you can't, you, don't, you wouldn't think of having sort of one without the others. But I'd say the accuracy aspect is probably probably quite fundamental. And the reason that I sort of came to that one first, um, if you know that there's errors in your data, like how can how can you be sure that you're you're able to use that to make any sort of decisions going forwards? Um, I think I've read something online that's like good data beats opinion. You can sort of imagine lots of people in a boardroom voicing their opinions and stuff like that. All it takes is for someone to say, this is what the numbers say. If you have that confidence and the, the sort of um, the backing behind what you're seeing, it sort of negates any need for sort of personal preference or or business decision. And so one of the things obviously we we focus on massively at Good Growth is is customer failure. How does understanding, how does a business's understanding of their customer failure then lead to, I guess, a, a better usage of data and a better application of it when you're looking to drive growth? Yeah. So I say understanding customer failure, it's, it's very much at the heart of what we do at Good Growth. Um, and it's and it's pretty crucial to sort of understand customer behavior so businesses can respond to that, take action, um, and ultimately respond to, to, to the customer's needs. Um, so again, this notion of failure can be sort of understood using qualitative and quantitative methods of data capture. So you might be looking at uh, some journey mapping. You can see what's causing a dropout at X point in the customer journey. You can see that from traffic analysis. Or you might actually have some more explicit data on the customer voice through some customer testing or surveying. Once you have this sort of understanding and acceptance that there are points of failure, no one's perfect, um, you can really shape not just um, the actions that you take to mitigate these these failure points. So whether that be revising some of your user journeys, making some UX changes, um, really targeting some A-B testing activity around that one area. You can also then shape those KPIs and success metrics that allow you to measure that impact. So if you know that you've got an area of the site that's a bit of a bottleneck in terms of conversion, you've got those um, that kind of success metric suite that allow you to be able to understand if you're having um, any impact and being able to shift the needle at all. Perfect. And then I guess closing things off uh, and maybe putting you on the spot a little bit here, but is there a key message that you'd give to a data team, an insight team that were looking to get their data back on track or even in a much better place? What would a key takeaway be for them from this session? I'd say probably start simple. I think businesses get quite caught up with how granular they can take the data, which um, in its own right is is very important. Um, but equally, being able to report at a granular level is only sort of well and good if you're if you're able to action at that level. So you could be looking at sort of your your data, whether it be sort of yeah your your traffic split by channels, but by demographic. Okay, we know that seventy percent of people come to our come to our website through mobile first, for example. But you're still designing your website desktop first, so it's little things that sort of if you have the data available, make sure that you're making some meaningful changes based on that. Uh, again, sort of channel specific targeting um, and demographic specific, maybe like email campaigns and stuff like that. Use the data wisely, um, but don't get too caught up in making sure that you're kind of reporting at that granular level unless you're able to have the sort of capacity uh, to be able to action it. Well, Zoe, an absolute pleasure as always to have you on the podcast. Always great to get your insights from the from the front line. And uh, thank you very much to all of those of you listening. I hope to see you all again very soon. Thanks, Zoe. Thank you very much. Take care.